Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Mark Gilbert, who is the owner and managing director at Select Cleaning Franchises, a provider of premium cleaning services in Australia and New Zealand. Listen as Mark chats about the SME sector in New Zealand and Australia, the Select Cleaning business model, who the franchise is designed for, the challenges for the SME sector post-pandemic, and why you should inquire about a Select Cleaning franchise today. Listen on to discover more. Welcome everyone. My name is Ellen Rogers from the Eden Exchange team. Today our guest is Mark Gilbert, who is the owner and managing director of Select Cleaning, a provider of premium cleaning services in Australia and New Zealand. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Uh, thanks, Ellen. Hello, everyone. Now, what's going on in God's zone in New Zealand, Mark? What's happening? We're taking advantage of all the mistakes the rest of the world has made in the last two years. So in terms of COVID, we're, um, we're just heading into our Omicron upswing at the moment. But we're doing it with very, very low numbers of people in hospital and what have you. Our overall thing we feel is that we've sort of been able to take advantage of the experience that others have made, had. And so we're going in softly. In terms of business, it's all just ticking over okay. We have a few ups and downs with the COVID, but it's fine. We've had a beautiful summer here this year. It's been fine. Where I am, very little rain, which is a bit of a problem. But for families and what have you, it's been lovely. Melbourne, we can understand about the rain thing, but I understand New Zealand has this traffic light system going on now with COVID, with moving around. Yeah, well, to be honest with Ellen, I don't think anybody fully understands how that works here. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's basically, basically we're open. Everybody's open for business, just at various levels of the traffic light system. There's certain things we can and can't do. And for, for example, for a business like ours, really, once we went to traffic lights, we can carry on working no problem whatsoever. We're now at a situation with our traffic lights for our business where if one of our guys is a contact of somebody who's got COVID, they can still carry on working. They have to isolate if they're not, if they get COVID or if they're a household contact, but it's sort of easing up so it's becoming more normal now. I am so envious and I think half of Melbourne is as well. We certainly are. We consider ourselves very lucky in that because we're a little tiny nation, we could shut our borders off and then we could sort of take advantage of the experience that you guys have had. And I think Australia's done a great job of handling this population they've got. And we've just been able to learn a few lessons off that. Yes, definitely. Now that we're returning to normal. All right. Now, yes. thanks, Mark, for joining us today. Uh, just jumping straight into the podcast. So, can you start off by telling us about your background and how you first became involved with Select Cleaning? What is your current role? Okay, well, that's a really good question. Okay, it depends on who you talk to. I, so my wife and I own and operate this whole system worldwide, as it were. I run the business as a managing director. And so, I guess a bit of background is probably not a bad idea. So, I'm a teacher by training, originally trained as a teacher when I first left school. I did that for a while, but I've got a bit of a passion for running my own business. So I've run a few businesses and we got to a stage about 25 years ago where we were running a transport business in New Zealand and it was the leading business for moving antiques and artwork around Auckland, our main city and around New Zealand. I became familiar with the franchising model at that stage and I set that business up over a couple of years to franchise it. Once I'd set it up and I then started talking to people like yourselves, actually, in New Zealand about marketing through New Zealand, it became pretty apparent quickly that we weren't going to be able to scale that business up to the level that we needed to actually make money out of it. 
we couldn't put enough people on the ground to satisfy the demand. So we pretty quickly after that sold that business and I went looking for something that we could do where we could scale it. So I settled on commercial cleaning and bought the New Zealand master rights for a system called Cleantastic. Again, a New Zealand-based system, but is quite big in Australia as well. Cleantastic did commercial cleaning. And we built that over the next few years. We built that from nothing up to 190 franchisees in New Zealand. In the middle of that, I realized that there was a market for home cleaning that wasn't being met as well as I thought it could be met. And it became apparent to me as we were doing the commercial cleaning that any of our franchisees who were good at commercial cleaning, quite often the husband would go home and say to the wife, hey, this guy's really good. Why don't you use him for doing your home cleaning? And so the guy would go off and do the home cleaning. And within about six weeks, he'd lost both jobs, right? He lost the home cleaning job and he lost the, the commercial cleaning job. And when I did a bit of research into this, and what we found was that the standard required for home cleaning is quite different to commercial cleaning. And so after looking at this, we decided we'd run a bit of a trial within Cleantastic and have a look at that home cleaning model. So we did that. And I started off doing everything, right? So I went and did the first cleans of homes so I could write the system properly. And I sold the first franchises and all that kind of stuff and got it going. And what we found was that home cleaning offered a number of advantages for our franchisees, primarily to do with their ability to run a proper business. So what they weren't buying a job, they were buying a proper business where they could grow that business themselves and we could teach them how to do that. And that was dependent on building a direct relationship with the customer that they're doing the work for, which they often don't do in commercial cleaning. So away we went. That was reasonably successful. I then took that business out of Cleantastic, and my wife and I carried on running it. We're now over 350 franchisees in New Zealand and Australia. And it's really the business, the focus has never changed from day one. And it's about giving franchisees the ability to get started in their own business, and then using some fairly simple tools that we've developed, grow their business to whatever size they want, and allow us as the master franchisees to carry on selling franchises and growing our areas. Does that give you a pretty good run through? Yeah, I think it does. So, Mark, can you tell us a little bit more about the Australian markets? You've talked a lot about the New Zealand market. How is Australia receiving select cleaning? Oh, <laughs> like a dengue to water, mate. <laughs> really well, really well, all right? So most people don't realise this, okay, but New Zealand is the most franchised country in the world per head of population. We've got more franchises in New Zealand per head of population than anywhere else in the world. We are an incredibly competitive market. So if you can set up and operate a franchise business like ours in New Zealand, you should be able to operate it anywhere. And our, our rollout in Australia has proved to be exactly like that. So what we did was my wife and I went to Australia. We went to Melbourne first, actually, and, and started the business there. We sold four or five franchisees, then we found a master franchisee, a really good master franchisee. We also started Adelaide at the same time. And then we spent just over a year in Melbourne. Then we moved to Sydney and spent a year and a half there establishing the business there and doing the same thing. 
And really, the rollout has been exactly the same as what happened in New Zealand. The demand is there. The franchisees that we're dealing with in Australia are basically the same sort of people that we're dealing with in New Zealand. They have the same aspirations and goals, and the system meets those needs for them. And what can you tell us about, talk a little bit about the pandemic and running the business. What changes have you had to make to the business model to make it more COVID-proof? Actually, funnily enough, not a lot, all right? So we've got some really good processes in place for our franchisees in terms of training and in terms of, of basically hygiene control. So it's one of the key things for home cleaning, regardless of whether we've got a pandemic or not, is that hygiene control is really important. And it's important. You'll know this yourself in your own home. For people getting home cleaners, and it's really important that they know that their cleaner is doing a good job. And there's, you know, things like cross-contamination between bathrooms and kitchens and what have you, that, that's all under control. So all those processes were in place. So all we had to do was to take what was required with COVID and just put it over the top of what was already there. So it was straightforward. We found in practical terms with the guys going into homes, obviously they've got to be masked and gloved. Masked as a must and gloved more often than what they normally were. So they'll always wear gloves in any case, but, but across the whole job now rather than just in the bathrooms and what have you. They've got some processes they've got to follow and making sure nobody in the house has got COVID and what have you. But the business, as long as the ability to go and work, so as we know during COVID, there were times when we were all in lockdown, we couldn't work. Well, there's nothing we can do about that. But as long as we were able to go and work, what we found was that the guys picked up their jobs again straight away. If they had been following the procedures we had for communication, in any case, customers were fine. They didn't drop off customers. If they dropped off a couple of customers for some reason because people were worried, concerned about COVID, then it was easy for us to pick up more customers for them. So you talked a little bit about the having to glove more, having to be more hygiene aware in regards to switching from one customer to the other. What other big challenges has a small business sector faced over the last two years? So COVID is a big one, all right. And, you know, for us as a master franchisee, our primary focus to start with is selling franchises. And that's certainly been a little bit up and down. Uh, what we found is that during lockdown periods, people are nervous and understandably so. As soon as the lockdown comes off, we find that the gates open again and our pipelines start going as we would expect them to go. So work keeps coming in, right? Work's a really interesting one in this business. Everybody worries that there's not going to be enough work. We turn work away. We don't know what to do with all the work that we get. So work keep coming back pretty quickly. Franchise sales came back quickly. You know, we've just come out of a lockdown in New Zealand late last year, and we've had those lockdowns in Melbourne, for example. You know what the lockdowns have been like there. What did you have? Something like three months of lockdowns. Oh, well, we don't we want to talk about it, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting, well, I mean, Melbourne's been a really interesting market for us, okay? What happened with our master franchisee there is that he still kept getting inquiries for franchise sales all the way through the lockdown. Oh, it wow. just meant that, that he had to wait until the lockdown was over before he could meet them. <laughs> so that was a big thing. And because we don't take anybody on board unless we've met them, once the lockdown came off, he had a list of probably 10 or 12 people who wanted to come on, and he had to do that over the next three or four months in order to make sure that his systems weren't being over 
overloaded. So the demand for these businesses is pretty consistent. If we're all doing our job properly, and it's it's not a hard one, it's a very simple one. It's about communication, getting your pipelines going, and then being consistent in what we're doing. Mm. Yes, I definitely agree. Now, talking more as like the business sector, every business sector is considered more organic in nature and responds directly to outside influences. What influences are you seeing right now in the services sector and how are they affecting your current market? Well, the big problem that we see Australia at the moment is to do with getting suitable people into our businesses. Whether we've got franchisees or whether we've got master franchisees, because our countries have locked down and have stopped people coming over the borders, quite often the people that would buy our business are not coming into the country. So that's an issue for us and something that we've got to to keep in mind as we move through the next few months. I guess the other thing that we're aware of, although it doesn't, you know, in past experience, you know, we've been doing this for over 15 years now, past experience has shown us that economic cycles don't tend to have a big effect on our business, which is really interesting because we thought that when we first went into this, we thought that commercial cleaning would be consistent through economic cycles and home cleaning would be up and down. But actually, it it wasn't like that at all. It was the opposite. Commercial cleaning lost work, whereas home cleaning stayed on it. It's an interesting little story. One of the things that we found when we were doing this, looking at this after the 2008 financial meltdown, was that what happened in businesses was, especially medium, small to medium-sized businesses, which is really our market when we do commercial work, what happened in those businesses was the boss sort of looked around and went, got to save some money. What can we get rid of? And he looked around and he said, right, cleaners, gone. And he said to the staff, you're cleaning, right? And the staff went home and said to their husbands, I've got to clean at work, not cleaning here. So they got a cleaner in at home, (laughs) which is just brilliant. So we end up with a whole lot more work. What other influence? Let me think about what other influences are are out there in terms of of the service sector. I can't see too much in the way of negative at the moment. I think that we're, generally speaking, in the service area that we're working, people are busier and busier. They're earning reasonably good money. The money in Australia for most people is going up. So the money's not a big issue, but time is an issue. They have less and less time. So that time poverty makes a real opportunity for us to go in there and provide a service that gives them time on the weekend to be with their children or whatever. Oh, that's great. Now, talking a little bit more about the business model, what are some unique characteristics of the Select Cleaning Master Franchise opportunity? All right. So I always say to people, our business model is really, really simple. And for a master franchisee, essentially what they're doing is that they're selling a franchise, they're training the guys, and training's really crucial in this business. They're then getting them a certain amount of work to get them started. And then we're training our franchisees on how to take that work that we've given them and turn it into a growth strategy for their own business. And so if you think about two cogs going around, all right, and one cog's the master franchisee and the other cog is the the franchisee, the master sells a franchise and then as that cog moves around, sort of the impetus of that business goes over to the franchisee And he carries on twirling away on his business with the master just poking his nose in every now and then just to make sure everything's okay. And the master carries on selling 
another franchise and setting them up and getting them going and getting them away. And so what the master's really doing is building up that royalty income that a franchisee pays month in, month out while they're part of the system. And if he's doing the job right and he's following the system that we've got, he has to spend a reasonable amount of time when they first get started. But as the franchisee becomes more experienced, they're more on their own. They don't need as much help for us. And we can concentrate on growing our business with franchise sales and making sure the business we've got is operating efficiently and well. And would you be able to describe the business as scalable? Absolutely. That's one of the great things about this business, all right, is that you can literally, as a master franchisee, how big do you want to go? I've got the model now from what I've done from running 10 franchisees to running 150 franchisees. I know now what we have to look at when we're talking about growth in a franchise system. You know, the first 30 or 35 franchisees are the most important ones you put on. I know what that looks like. I know what you do at that stage. For a master franchisee, my goal is that every one of my franchisees, my master franchisees, can run their business sitting on the beach in Fiji anytime they want once they get to a certain scale. So to start off with, it's hard yakka, it's hard work, and you've got to put the hours in and get it right. But the bigger you get, the less you should have to do. That sounds great. I want the business now. <laughs> Pack in my job. I'm going to, going to become a franchisee. I don't know if you're the right person for this business. So. <laughs> Fair Now, so you talked a little bit more about how the business translates from Australia to New Zealand because they're quite similar. How can you delve more into that, how it translates? One of the things that we found early on, okay, I had this really interesting experience. When I first went into Cleantastic, I took over a master franchisee who was a bit of a problem within the system. I knew about it. I knew I was going to have to do something about it. And anyway, Long story short, I ended up having to, it took a long time to do this, but I ended up having to get him out of the system because he was doing some really bad things with his franchisees. And, you know, that's my job, to look at that and to monitor it and to make sure if it's not working that I do something about it. Anyway, I had, I took over that business. And, and when I took over the business, I found that we all of the franchisees were migrants. And I had no idea how to deal with these guys. So I went out and hired a business psychologist come and work with me for six months and it changed the way I thought about business and in particular about business because what she did with me being through and talked to all these guys and looked at it she said to me Mark what you've got to understand is that the people that you're selling franchises for and this is migrants because these businesses appeal to migrants and I can talk about this till the cows come home all right but she said they they They're really looking for a way of getting into your country and understanding how to do business here. But they think differently to to you. And she gave me three things that they thought, how they thought differently. And she said, if you can cover those three things off, I'm not going to tell you what they are, Ellen, because then I have to shoot you. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) But it was absolutely illuminating for me, all right? And she said, I'll give you one of them, okay? which was a really important, right? She said, and we were talking about people that came from China, and she said, look, if you look at the culture in China, they run a culture where if you can get away with something, it's okay. And if, but from our point of view, and New Zealand and Australia are the same, we have this culture that says that you will do a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. And we expect that somebody who's working for us 
will know what they have to do and will do a good job. Whereas some people come from other cultures, they have this expectation that the customer will tell them what's good and bad. And so they keep dropping the service until the customer says, hey, that's not good enough anymore. And the problem in our countries is the customer never says they don't want to have that confrontation. So the service keeps dropping and suddenly the customer kicks them out with no reason because they won't give a reason. and They don't know what's happened. And she said to me, if you can align those so together so that franchisee as a migrant who actually doesn't mind working hard, is happy to work hard, but when they understand what the expectation is from an Australian customer for a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, you actually end up with a much better service being provided to the customer than they would normally get, and you end up with a franchisee who understands how to communicate and deal with a customer that doesn't actually want to tell them something because they don't want to have a confrontation. So it's because, and so in our in both Australia and New Zealand, we deal predominantly with migrant. And so we've developed a system that gives them the ability to understand how business is done in our country and how they can build that relationship with a client so that they can turn that into more work. And I often say to my guys, You know, if you can learn how to do this in our business, you can do this in any business in Australia. And it's really powerful. And the guys that do it well, they can go on and do, and they do, I've watched them do it. They they build big businesses. They're fantastic. The guys that do it really poorly, they're consigned to having to work within their migrant community for the rest of their lives. No, definitely. Makes a lot of sense. So on that note, talking about the type of person that suits, what fundamentally are you looking for in a master franchise owner and what skill sets and experiences work really well? Well, my experience has shown me that the primary thing I need is somebody who's a closer, somebody who knows how to close sales. And, you know, that's what we're really focused on at the moment. This is a sales business, right? Master franchisees have to be able to develop a pipeline for their sales And then they have to be able to get franchisees in. Now, generally speaking, franchisees are going to buy from master franchisees. One, because it suits them for this business. But more importantly, is that they see with the master franchisee somebody who that if they hook their wagon to the master franchisee's wagon, uh, train, they're able to go where they want to go. So a master franchisee, he has to have that sales ability and that ability to close but he also has to have the ability to communicate with migrants and like doing it, right? You've got to like working with people from different cultures and different backgrounds and get the satisfaction in seeing somebody come into your business who's never done this before. And within 12 to 14 months, they're growing a business, they're working well with their customers and they're up and running. Right now. You talked a little bit about how a master franchise owner can be on the beach in Fiji and still be running their business. Can you think through what the day-to-day like is more for a master franchise owner? Okay, so that morphs depending on what stage of the business you're in. So when a master franchisee first starts an area, he's basically doing everything. So his primary role is to sell franchises. That's the first thing he's going to do. And that's a role that a master is not going to give up for a long, long time, right? That's one of the last things that a master gives up because it's a key driver in the business. But he's also got to sell work. So he's got to get work in for his franchisees. And he's got to overlook the administration of the business. So when he sells a franchise, the franchisee's got to be trained. 
when he sells a franchise, somebody's got to generate the invoice for the franchise sale. Somebody's got to prepare all the documentation. Now, we've got a lot of that automated within our system, but the master franchisee is basically responsible for all that. And what we see and what my experience has been in the business is that as you grow your numbers, you start getting to a stage where you say, okay, I'm too busy to do all this anymore. What do I need to do next? And normally the next thing that comes is they find somebody who will quote the work and do the work. And then they find somebody who's going to do the, start the administration. And really, when you th- again, when you think about our business, there's only three really key areas that a master is looking at. There's the administration, there's the building of relationships, which is about relationships with customers and franchisees and staff and suppliers, and then there's the sales role. The administration role, you can find people to do that quite easily, and we've got some really good models of how you do that. Relationships, you can't sub that out. You have to start that yourself and build it, and then you have to train that into the new people that you're bringing in to run your business. The sales The work sales is pretty straightforward, right? So one thing a lot of people worry about in this business is whether there's going to be enough work or not. It's always plenty of work, right? As long as you're not stupid about selling too many franchises, but there's always plenty of work. So we normally find that we get a quota or a system for getting that work in pretty quickly that can be put into the hands of an employee or a partner or what have you. Franchise sales, eventually you need to back out of that to a certain degree because you just can't do everything. But the bigger your business gets, the more you should be stepping out of those day-to-day roles. And again, the pathway in franchising is quite clear on how to do that. And you get to the stage where you're overseeing more than doing. Does that make sense? Yes, it definitely does make sense. Now, Mark, as the owner and managing director, what vision do you have for the future of Select Cleaning? And where are you focusing the franchise development right now? Okay, so I'll start with the second part of that first. So our our focus right now is getting select cleaning across all the main areas in Australia. So we've had a pretty good start in Australia. We're a system, well, I'm, I'll say I, okay. I'm really slow in what I do, all right? I'm very careful. I want to try and make sure that I get the right people. And when I think I've found the right people, I'm okay to give them plenty of time to develop and to get started. I have master franchisees that have taken three or four years to get cracking at what they've done. and But once they get cracking, they go like the wind. I don't mind that, right? We don't have big emphasis on make the numbers or get out straight away. I know this is a long burn business. And I see it as a long burn business, what I call a long burn business for myself and my wife as well. We intend on this business being intergenerational. Now, I can't guarantee that. You never know what happens. But we're not looking at building something that we sell. We're looking at something that we hold forever. And we want it based on the fundamentals of making sure franchisees are successful. If we make sure our franchisees are successful, then we can grow this business to any size we want. In Australia, I see that as having 12 to 1,500 franchisees in select cleaning. Right, we're across the system. We're over 350 at the moment. 12 to 1500, I think, is about reasonable for Australia. We may be able to go bigger because we're doing it slightly different, differently to the way that some of the other systems have done it in the past. But we're also—I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Ellen—we've also got a lawn mowing and a car grooming business that we run, and eventually mm-hmm. we're going to roll that out through. We've got that going up and running pretty well in New Zealand now. 
and eventually we will roll that out as well. And those three systems actually complement each other as we grow to bigger sizes. So we start what we're starting to see in New Zealand now is that our home cleaning customers are getting the lawn mowing guys to do the lawn mowing as well. And the same with the car cleaning and what have you. We don't push it and we want to keep it fairly low key on what we're doing. That's basically where we're going as a group. No, it definitely makes sense to include a lawn mowing business considering the grass is so green in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, correct. Okay. Although if you look around our place at the moment, you know, we're in the middle of a drought where I am. There ain't no grass. Fair enough. Now, Mark, for anyone thinking about a business opportunity in the cleaning sector, especially a yep. franchise, what due diligence should they be considering first? Okay, so meet the people you're going to deal with, right? This is a business that franchising is all about relationships. You And so if you're coming on as a master franchisee and dealing with me, then get to meet me as quickly as you can. Now, that's we have some issues with that with COVID at the moment, all right? You guys can travel anywhere. We can't, all right? But we can do a lot of that through online calls and what have you. Check out the agreements that we write, right? This is a fundamental of franchising, and I, I think that a lot of people underestimate this. Our agreements, I believe, are some of the fairest in the system, and we bent over backwards to make sure that's the case. You always, in franchising, you always have, so the franchisor will always have slightly more power than the master franchisee, and the master franchisee will always have slightly more power than the the franchisee, because we've got to be able to maintain our businesses and make sure we're maintaining standards. But it shouldn't be out of proportion. And so look at those agreements really carefully. Then look at the market. Right Now, I'm sitting here telling you there's plenty of work, all right? Well, you know, before I went to Australia, I ran some ads in Melbourne and some local news. At that stage when we went to Melbourne, we were still using newspapers for advertising. We don't use it anymore. But I ran some ads in the local papers with a, a local number just to see how many inquiries I got for cleaning. Right? And I knew within three weeks that I could sell a franchise and fill it within a month. So do your due diligence around making sure the market exists. And then look at, and I think you have to do that by talking to people like myself. And if you decide a different path to whoever you're dealing with, talk to them about the people you're going to be dealing with. You've got to be happy with that, right? There's no point in going in, for example, there's no point in going into our business if you don't like dealing with migrants. You've got to be fired up about the fact that you're helping new Australians learn how to be Australian, right? You've got to enjoy that whole process. You might, I mean, you know as well as I do, there's going to be times when it's tough. There's going to be times when people don't do what you think they should do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Of part of any business, all right. But underneath it all, you've got to be charged with the fact that you sell a franchise to John tomorrow and in six months' time, he's coming back to you and saying, hey, I've just bought a new car because instead of doing 4000 a month, which I bought from you, I'm now doing 12000 a month. That's the stuff that gets me fired up. Great. That's great that you get fired up about the business. And on that, what do you love about the business and what drives you to continue to grow the business more and more? Look, I'll just come back to the same thing, right? I love the fact that what we're doing is helping people get into their own business and grow. And that's fundamental to our business. We've set up what we call a low fee structure in our business so that our franchisees, as they grow that business, they're not being penalised for that. And so the opportunity for them is huge. The opportunity for my master franchisees, 
I don't look at an area and go, how small can I make it? I look at an area and go, how big do I need to make it to make sure that they can do a big business themselves? I don't want people with 50 franchisees. I want people with 150, 200 franchisees. I want my, ma- I do want my master franchisee sitting beside me in Fiji, all right? I don't want them in an office closeted with their head down trying to make out, work out how they're going to make ends meet. Definitely, Mark. Now, definitely now. Thanks, Mark. Select Cleaning sounds like a great opportunity and will pique the interest of many a business owner looking to upscale their business and offer more to their community. Now, for anyone listening to this podcast who is keen to learn more about the Select Cleaning franchise opportunity, specifically the master franchise opportunity, there is a button beneath this podcast to submit your inquiry and the team at Select Cleaning will get the ball rolling ASAP and get you started on your franchising journey. Now, thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, Mark. We wish you all success in your continuing business journey and we hope to hear from you soon with an update. Thanks, Helen. It's been a pleasure. Definitely. So if I'm not suited to a franchise, I think I might just head over to New Zealand and spend a week at the Coromandel. Yeah, that's the story. Beautiful, beautiful weather at the moment and I think the water's still warm. (laughs) Great. Hot water beach. I'm there. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Helen. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Mark Gilbert, who is the owner and managing director at Select Cleaning Franchises, a provider of premium cleaning services in Australia and New Zealand. To find out more about Mark and Select Cleaning, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbuyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram recent info on the buying, selling and investing world. Thanks for listening.